right. Man, you guys know how to visit and fellowship. I love it. It's a good thing. Uh, before we jump into our message, a couple of announcements real quick. If you are a first-time guest, thank you for being here. Thank you for taking time out of your day, your weekend, to spend with us. As a, a way to say thank you, in the back we have a welcome table. We have some gifts there. Please feel free to grab one for yourself. Uh, you can visit our website, lifechurchutah.com, and uh, keep up to date with everything that's going on around here. And uh, again, thank you for being here. Uh, if you have any gifts you'd like to give, tithe or offering, back in the back we have our kiosk there. Uh, you can give there or lifechurchutah.com. Thank you for continuing to be faithful. Thank you for continuing to trust the Lord with your finances. I know that he will bless you. He will provide for you. And then coming up is a fun uh, little event. It is a scrapbooking event. It is happening on March 6th at noon for a couple of hours. So if you love to scrapbook, um, bring your glitter, bring your glue, whatever scrapbookers do. I didn't mean to rhyme there. That was good. Um, but if you want a scrapbook, male, female, uh, come out and join the party. Have some fun putting some pictures in your scrapbooking uh, books. Now, it is glad to be back. I'm glad to be back. Um, <laughs> I, I feel like I'm home. It's been a couple of weeks, and I want to start off by saying thank you to all of you who made everything go off without a hitch. Pastor John for filling in for a couple of weeks and speaking to all of our different volunteers that, that stepped up while we were out. Eddie, Sadie, Chris, our worship team, uh, Tiffany, Rachel, uh, our children's uh, pastor, uh, Pete and Connie for continuing to be here through thick and thin, Lorelai who helped out with sound, and if I missed you, I apologize, but thank you so much for uh, stepping up and helping out. I know it takes a tribe to make things run around here, so thank you from the bottom of my heart. Um, the reason we were gone is I tested positive for COVID. Um, Allison's test came back negative, but uh, my symptoms were more of a head cold sinus infection with some pretty bad headaches. Um, Allison had different symptoms, but uh, by the time we learned that we were positive, it was best that we stay home and do the, the quarantine. Uh, we are past all of our quarantine dates. I feel uh, good. I was just talking to Pam. I might be a little wiped out after today. Uh, it seems like even after uh, I go to work during the week, I get home and, and I'm pretty tired. Uh, it's weird how the effects seem to linger in your system. But overall, we are doing well. We are healthy and happy to be back. Uh, as you know, we have been in a series going through the Gospel of Mark. And it's, it's a book of action, as Pastor John reminded us. And it's a book that shows God wants to move. He wants to do something among his people. Today's message may be one that might rattle the cage a little bit. My hope is that it encourages you, that uh, it strengthens you. Um, it, it is one that, if you allow it to, it could rub you the wrong way. 
but allow it to sharpen you. Allow it to push you towards God. Now, I... ball by myself, a lot of times playing one-on-one -on -one against my dad, playing around the world or horse. Um, I, I remember even in the winter, uh, it would snow, I would shovel it, and I would go out and play. Uh, basketball was my obsession. Well, on one summer morning, it was, I had the itch to go shoot some hoops, and, and the day was ripe. It wasn't too hot, there was no wind. It was a good day to go out and play some basketball. So I go, I grab my shorts, I get, put on my cutoff t-shirt, because you can't have the sleeves restricting you while you're shooting. You know, you grab, I grab my socks, my shoes, head to the garage, grab the basketball, and go into the backyard. And I start shooting away. Now, like any kid, I played out all the scenarios. We would go through the warm-ups. I would practice the shots, and then it would get down to the final game, play the game. We got five seconds. We're down by one. We've got to make this shot or we don't win the championship. And they pass the ball into Forrest. He comes around from the elbow, shoots it, and it's good. We win the game. Except on this day. Um, my, one of my favorite announcers, Hot Rod Hundley, for those of you that watch the jazz, with a gentle push and a mild arc, the old cowhide globe hits home. Well, on this day, that cowhide globe didn't hit home very often. In fact, as I continued to shoot, I continued to get worse. And the worse I got, the more angry I got. You know, there's just some days you don't have it in you. And on this day, I quite literally probably could not have hit the broadside of a barn. I, it, was, it was bad. But as my anger grew, the first unpleasantry came from my mouth and then the next, and then the next. And it got to the point where every time I missed, I was yelling a curse word at the ball, at the hoop, at the sky, anything that could hear me. What I was not counting on were the two people that would care most about their teenage son hurling vulgar, vulgar words out into the air. Not sure who heard me first, 
but I remember my dad coming into the backyard, walking up to me and confronting me. And the thing is, is he didn't yell. I, I don't even know if he was really mad. It, it was one of those situations where he was cool, calm, and collected and came up and talked to me. And what I, I, what I do remember is part of the conversation. Yes, I said part of the conversation, but I think I remembered the most important part of that conversation. You see, he encouraged me to have better character. And that saying those words might make me feel better in that moment, but they did nothing to make me shoot better. It did nothing to make me improve. I remember he told me, son, you're smarter than that. It takes more intelligence to say a different word than a cuss word, and you are intelligent, so use better words. And then he took me to every possible neighbor that could have possibly heard me. He had me go up to their door by myself, knock, and apologize for the words that I used. You see, my dad was concerned with my character and who I was. You know, I would say he was most disappointed in my reaction to not being able to play well than the words that came out of my mouth. Now, I'm not saying he didn't care about those words because nobody should talk the way I talked on that afternoon. But this is what we're going to look at today, our character, and how our character is what matters to God. That who we are on the inside is what counts. And what comes out of us, what comes from our heart, our spirit, is what, is what matters most. It's these things that really show who we are. Now, I want to clarify. I'm not judging those who use curse words, because we've all used them. Some of us use them a little more frequently than others, and could probably work on finding better words. And I know there's the great debate, words are just words. It's true, but words have power and words have meaning. I am personally not one to cuss out loud. <laughs> I have been known to say them to myself or in my head, but for me, my hope is that no, none of my friends, my family, you guys ever hear me say one. I, do, I don't want that to be me. I, I choose to use different words. But again... The issue we're talking about today is our character, who we are. Why are we saying or reacting in a certain way? What is the condition of our heart? So the text we're going to look at today is Mark chapter 7, verses 1 through 23. But before we go there, let's pray. Father, I thank you. I thank you for your word, and I thank you that through your word, you challenge us, and then through your word, you encourage us to be better. So I pray this morning as we go through this text, you would speak to our hearts, you would speak to our spirits, and, and allow ourselves to be open to being challenged. That if there's something that is said that, that we might rub us the wrong way, we wouldn't back away, but we, we would come forward with it. We would meet it head on and see how you want us to grow. I thank you, Father, for your word and for your people. It's in Jesus' name we pray. 
Amen. Now, as you find your way to Mark chapter 7, the thought I had when I was writing this message is quite simple, actually. And it's this, who I am is revealed by what comes out of me. Who I am is revealed by what comes out of me. Let's look at our story. Beginning in verse 1, chapter 7. It's a lot of text, but it's good text. So here we go. The Pharisees and some of the teachers of the law who had come from Jerusalem gathered around Jesus and saw some of his disciples eating food, food with hands that were unclean, that is, unwashed. The Pharisees and all the Jews do not eat unless they give their hands a ceremonial washing, holding to the tradition of the elders. When they come from the marketplace, they do not eat unless they wash, and they observe many other traditions, such as the washing of cups, pitchers, and kettles. So the Pharisees and teachers of the law asked Jesus, Why don't your disciples live according to the tradition of the elders, instead of eating their food with unclean hands? He replied, Isaiah was right when he prophesied about you, hypocrites. As it is written, these people honor me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. They worship me in vain. Their teachings are but rules taught by men. You have let go of the commands of God and are holding on to the traditions of men. And he said to them, you have a fine way of setting aside the command of God in order to observe your own traditions. For Moses said, honor your father and your mother, and anyone who curses his father or mother must be put to death. But you say that if a man says to his father or mother, whatever help you might otherwise have received from me is a korban, that is, a gift devoted to God, then you no longer let him do anything for his father or mother. Thus you nullify the word of God by your tradition that you have handed down, and you do many things like that. What did we just read? Well, there's a whole lot about clean and unclean and worshiping with our lips, but our hearts being far from God and the tradition of men. To make sense of it, we've got to go back. We've got to go to the book of Leviticus. Now, Levit Leviticus gets a bad rap as boring, that it drags on, that if you want to go to sleep, go to the book of Leviticus. It'll knock you right out. It's, it's better than NyQuil. It's, it'll do the job. In fact, I just complained to Allison about Leviticus. I've been going through it again, and I was like, oh, my word, I just read four chapters in Leviticus. It was... <sighs> but here's the thing. While it's an exhaustive list of do's and don'ts, you will never fully understand or appreciate what Jesus did without understanding those do's and don'ts. The amazing thing is that Jesus didn't abolish the law, as we've talked about before. He didn't do away with the law. He fulfilled the law. Every requirement set by the law, Jesus lived up to that standard. He met all of the requirements. So if we don't know and understand what the law is, we aren't able to appreciate all that Jesus did. So you see, the Jewish people were a people like everybody else in the world. The only thing that made them different is Abraham heard the call of God and he obeyed. 
He left his family. He left everything to go to a land that God would show him. And on his journey, God promised him, your descendants will be as numerous as the stars in the sky and the sands of the sea. You, I am going to bless you, and all nations are going to be blessed because of you. And then we see Israel, they become slaves to Egypt, and that's where we find the, the story of Leviticus. The Egyptians finally let them go. They're in the wilderness. Moses is on Mount Sinai, and God gives him the law. And he's telling the people why, why the law is necessary, why they have these rules. Now, if we go back to the study of Galatians that we did last year, we learned that the law was given to us to show us the error in our ways, the, where we had messed up, how our decisions as people caused us to be separated from God. And contained within the law were regulations of ceremonially and unceremonially clean things that caused this separation. That if you ate certain animals, if you touched certain things, if you had a certain skin disease, if you ate certain plants, it made you unclean. They were to be uh, detested, more or less. Well, why these rules? Why these regulations? One opinion I read said that it could be that God knew that eating animals, certain animals, were linked to disease, and he wanted the people to be free of disease. So, such as if you eat undercooked cow or undercooked fish with scales like tuna, salmon, you're less prone to get a disease, where if you eat undercooked pork, you're going to get sick or undercooked shellfish. That was his thought. My thought is that God wanted the Israelites to be set apart from the rest of the world, from the rest of society. He desired that they be a people that you would recognize, that you would see as being different. A people that were aware of God and his requirements and followed them willingly. Granted, sometimes with steep penalties when they did not follow them. But God wanted us to be aware of the seriousness of our sin, and he wanted us to take it just as serious as he does. It's because of this sin we are separated from him. Now, fast forward. We go from Mount Sinai, Leviticus, where the law has been given, and we go to the Pharisees and the teachers of the law. For generations, the law was taught. But slowly, year after year, decade after decade, the Pharisees, the teachers began to add to it. They began to make up new rules. We, I, I've talked about this before. They would try, they, they would make a new rule to keep you from breaking the law. So if you didn't break the man rule, there's no way you broke the God rule. And they, it got out of hand. You see, the law said that if you touch something deemed unclean, you were to wash with water and you would be unclean until evening. The Pharisees made it a rule and said that if you return from the marketplace and don't wash your hands before eating, you're unclean. You see, it was a, a ritual without reality. It did nothing to point the people back to God. It was just another rule to follow. Now, in the name of hygiene, this is a good practice. Uh, Allison is constantly on me and the family. Did you wash your hands? The kids get home from school. Did you wash your hands? Hey, Forrest, you're home from work. Did you wash your hands? 
It's like, oh my gosh. And this was before COVID. It, it, she's, she's a bit of a germaphobe. But I, I digress. You know, not washing our hands is not a sin. It's poor hygiene, but it's not a sin. The Pharisees were making it up to being a sin. And then Jesus challenges them. This is what the law says. Honor your father and your mother. But then you say, if I offer korban, I'm nullified of that responsibility. I'm nullifying God's word. Well, what is korban? Can you read that? I might be small. Korban is the transliteration of a Hebrew word meaning offering. So according to the law, it was the responsibility of the son to take care of the, the, the aging parents. So any monies that they had that would be used for their parents, if they went to the temple and claimed it as korban, a gift to the temple, it now removed them from the responsibility of taking care of their aging parents. So Jesus tells the Pharisees that their misuse of korban was an evil rationale to avoid doing what they should. God never intended that the good principle of devoting something to the temple should be twisted to dishonor fathers and mothers. You see, it was ritual without reality. It was a Pharisaic religion, uh, and that's what that was, it was all about. It was a ritual without righteousness, without relationship. See, Jesus taught that without personal relationship with God, ritual profits nothing. And the traditions of man should never usurp the authority of God's word. So I say again, who I am is revealed by what comes out of me. And that's what Jesus is challenging them with. So what does Jesus do next? We see it in verses 14 through 15. And it says, again, Jesus called the crowd to him and said, Listen to me, everyone, and understand this. Nothing outside a man can make him unclean by going into him. Rather, it is what comes out of a man that makes him unclean. What we have to understand about this one statement is Jesus is shaking up everything the Israelites have grown to know. Everything was about what you did. If I don't covet, if I don't steal, if I don't murder, I'm okay. As long as I don't eat pork, as long as I don't eat shellfish or anything unclean, I'm okay. As long as I don't touch mold or, or a dead body, and, and the law even said that a woman that is on her monthly cycle, everything she touches is unclean. And if you touch that, you are ceremonially unclean. So everything was about your actions. And Jesus is taking that and saying, it's not about your actions. It's about your heart. But the, the disciples don't even grasp this. We see in verse 17, they go to Jesus and they ask him a question. After he had left the crowd and entered the house, his disciples asked him about this parable. Are you so dull? It's kind of like hit you in between the eyes. He asked, don't you see that nothing that enters a man from the outside can make him unclean? For it doesn't go into his heart, but into his stomach and then out of his body. 
And saying this, Jesus declared all foods clean. He went on, What comes out of a man is what makes him unclean. For uh, from within, out of men's hearts, come evil thoughts, sexual immorality, theft, murder, adultery, greed, malice, deceit, lewdness, envy, slander, arrogance, and folly. All these evils come from inside and make a man unclean. Now, this is classic Jesus. What he's trying to get the Pharisees to see, the crowds to see, his disciples to see, is that it's about the condition of our heart. It is about our character. You can follow all of the rules, but if your heart isn't right, it doesn't mean a thing. In essence, he's saying you were meant to be set apart. Under the law, you were set apart because you had these rules to follow. You had these guidelines. Now you are a people that are set apart because your character shows it, because your heart shows it. Who you are on the inside, the way you react, the way you speak, the way you give, the way you love. See, Jesus took the physical issues and showed that they were truly spiritual issues. It's not that you commit adultery. It's that you look at her with lust. You've already committed adultery with her in your heart. It's the heart, you wanting to gratify that desire. So we need to deal with the real issue, the heart. Remember I shared a couple weeks ago what Jeremiah said about the heart. The heart is deceitful above all things and beyond cure. Who can understand it? You see, the heart, when left unchecked, left to its own devices, brings out of us all sorts of things that are not pleasing to God. But there is hope, and that hope is Jesus. You see, Jesus, he searches us. He knows us, and he makes us a new creation. We are new. The old is gone. And issue by issue, character trait by character trait, Jesus starts showing us where we can grow. He shows us what it is to be his disciple. Now, that is not to say that you or I are not going to mess up. We will make mistakes. I mean, look at what Paul said in Romans. I know that nothing good lives in me, that is, in my sinful nature. For I have the desire to do what is good, but I cannot carry it out. For what I do is not the good I want to do, no, the evil I do not want to do. This I keep on doing. Now, if I do what I do not want to do, it is no longer I who do it, but sin living in me that does it. So I find this law at work. When I want to do good, evil is right there with me. For in my inner being, I delight in God's law. But I see another law at work in the members of my body, waging war against the law of my mind and making me a prisoner of the law of sin at work within my members. What a wretched man I am. Who will rescue me from this body of death? And then he gives the answer. Thanks be to God through Jesus Christ, our Lord. What is Paul saying? He's saying, inside of me is this duality. I have asked Jesus into my life and I am a new creation, and it is my desire, it is my will, I want to do what God wants me to do. 
but there's this other nature inside of me that is at war. What strong language he uses there, war. What do you think of when you think of war? Both sides are fighting. Both sides wanting control. Where is the war? The war is in our mind. That's why we need to be made new through the renewing of our minds. Well, how are our minds renewed in God's word? I love this meme. Uh, the guy says, oh, God, please talk to me. So he hands him the Bible. If you want to get to know God, if you want to hear from him, it's right here. It's right here. It's as audible as anything else. This will tell you who God is and what he expects from you. This is where we get renewed. We get renewed by praying. We get renewed by fellowship with God's people, with good literature, books that will help us, sermons or podcasts from godly people. Because of this war, Paul asks, who will rescue me? His name is Jesus. When we invite Jesus into our lives and make him Lord, something happens. Here's the thing. We're real good at believing. We're real good at inviting. Sometimes we're not so good at making him Lord. Sometimes we're not so good at letting him have control. There are things that we want to hold on to like, man, I got this one. I got it under control. Or I, I want to hold on to this. I'm not ready to give up my bitterness. I, I like it. I like holding on to my anger. That habit, I think I'll keep that one for a little bit. M me being surly, it's just part of my charm. Everyone that knows me knows that I'm ornery. It's just who I am. I don't want to dot, dot, dot. See, we can create whatever excuse we want to keep from having Jesus be the Lord of our lives. The problem is that we are robbing ourselves. We're hurting ourselves. You see, Jesus wants, he desires for you and me to live and walk in freedom. That's why it says in his word, whom the Son has set free is free indeed. So when we make him Lord, he begins to work on us. He begins to change our character. He changes our character to look more like his. He leads us to this freedom that can only be found in him. And we find that we, we begin to think like Jesus. We begin to react like Jesus, speak like Jesus. And then, oh my word, we start loving like Jesus. Just like my dad was concerned with my character and who I was, I don't think he was just looking at teenage Forrest. He was looking at 39-year-old Forrest. Who is he going to grow up to be? Who is, what kind of man is he going to be? Jesus does the same thing. He knows it's a process. He knows we aren't going to get it right away. But that doesn't mean he isn't going to challenge us. That doesn't mean that he doesn't want us to continue to grow so when we find ourselves in those stressful situations or in the heat of the argument or pushed beyond our limits, when the stress is high and the pressure is on, when I feel like I'm drowning and, and I can't find my way up, when I'm at my wit's end and I'm ready to blow a fuse, we can be angry and sin not. We can have peace that surpasses all understanding. We can have faith and believe that Jesus is walking with me. 
that Jesus sees, he knows, and he cares that I am a child of the Most High God and nothing formed against me shall prosper. That my King is the King of kings and the Lord of lords and everything is possible when he is in my boat. When this happens, we are set apart and people notice. They will begin to ask questions. How'd you make it through that? How are you not freaking out? How did you not blow up at your boss? It's because our character is being changed. It's being formed to, in the likeness of Jesus. And you see, because we are his ambassadors, we are able to lead other people to him. Because remember, we're called to lead the people of the valley to be more like Jesus. But we have to be more like Jesus. So I say again, who I am is revealed by what comes out of me. Who I am is revealed by what comes out of me. Let's pray. Father, I thank you so much that you're not done with me. I thank you that in this process, in this journey of faith, you continue to challenge us, you continue to push us, you continue to help us grow. So I pray, Father, that instead of becoming discouraged, we would be encouraged because you are stretching us. And when it feels like we are at our wit's end, when we feel like we, we can't make it, that we would have the faith, that we would be able to see that you are with us. And that by you being with us, you help us through life's journey. I pray, Father, right now that if there's anybody in this room that, that doesn't know you but wants to know you, wants to take that step of inviting you into their life, I pray right now that you would speak to them, that you would let them know that you are with them. And, Father, for those of us that have been on this journey for some time, whether it be for a week or years, decades, help us, Father, to realize that our character matters, that who we are matters and help us to grow to strengthen to, to to sharpen each other to encourage each other to have grace and love for one another to love one another as you have loved us we bless you we thank you it is in jesus name i pray amen, amen. now i know i'm three minutes long but i got a reflection and a challenge for you and here it is think about who you want to be Think about what it is that comes outside of you, that comes out in those moments. And my challenge is this. The next time you get upset, think about how you react. The next time you get cut off in traffic or your boss drives you up the wall or your spouse or kids have pushed, you, pushed your last nerve. Remember, it's what comes out of me that reveals who we are. We are a work in progress. And our God is a God of grace and is committed to the long haul. Let us be a people that will allow him to change and shape us from the inside out. Let our character be that of Jesus Christ. Amen? Amen. Amen. I love you guys. Thank you for being here. And I can't wait to see you next week. God bless.